Hello and welcome to the Carbitrage Podcast, episode 246. I am Eric Berger, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Sinetsky. Hello. Hi. And hi, Jenna. Hello. <laughs> Sorry to distract you from iPad setup. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> uh, all right, before we dig into topics, patreon.com forward slash carbitrage. On this super cool customized Patreon website, you will find two open-ended levels of support for content consumers or listeners like you to support content producers like us. Starting at a buck fifty, get some super cool swag, some stickers, whatever you want. Just hit us up. You can also provide show topics if you are uh, so inclined. Patreon.com forward slash carbitrage. All right. Uh, looks like Ryan's still on a, a bagel and a coffee. There's there's beer downstairs when he needs it. Uh, I have a Pabst Blue Robot. I mean ribbon. And Jana, you have some sort of coffee yeah, beverage. Yeah, I've got an uh, iced coffee from Rise, and I think it's oat milk with caramel. Oat juice. Oat There's beverage. no oat nipple. There's no oat teat, as far as I'm aware, right? Oat pulp. Oat I pulp. I, I like that more, actually. Oat pulp. All right. Fair enough. I uh, have a oat juice uh, latte with hazelnut in it, and it's delicious. Oh, it's all nuts. Yeah. Nice. Just nothing but nuts. Actually, yeah, I was at Rise Bagels in North Loop. I'm not, I mince no words when I say these are the best bagels I've ever had. And you were Jewish, so mm, I believe you. Yeah, strong. <laughs> They're um, New York style, and people will say in New York City that it's the water that makes a bagel, <laughs> but I think they should try Rise because they, like, they literally have very limited hours and they still close early almost every day because they sell out so fast. They're theoretically open to one, but I've never been able to get a bagel. So they close after. when they run out? Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's kind of cool. I've, I've never been able to get a bagel after about... 11 30 in the morning <laughs> yeah when you order online you have to pick three different bagel options in case they run out of yeah. the... you get what you get yeah. oh so it's like a vanity plate in minnesota yeah. <laughs> you get what you get. it's really good <laughs> i mean yeah I, I i buy like crappy store-bought blueberry bagels oh, sometimes yeah. for breakfast but like that's it yeah i, I those, recommend those going are now. good for throwing in a toaster and it doesn't matter i yeah. just I eat them yeah. raw i don't know but um, I'm an animal that too yeah, no, I would highly recommend going. And Kate, the owners, does she have a cat? Yes, good. she does actually. I like this business. Yeah, she has a cat. Uh, I know her from Good Karma. She very, drove very a five-cylinder Golf with a manual. Nice to deliver bagels in it. Her car always smelled like bagels. It was wonderful. She would give them to us. <laughs> it was great. I had a great time every time. She's my, one of my favorite customers. Bobbles is still my favorite customer, but Kate was number two. But anyway. Let's carry on. You have the first topic, so I do. are you curious? So, uh, buy it now alert. Um, okay. FC RX-7s. Those have been cheap for the longest time. Not Turbo 2s. I guess Turbo 2s. I was going to say, there's like two FC. Like, no, there is. Just one. There's just one? There's just an FC. Okay. I really thought there was like a later facelift or something. No, but... you're thinking of the FB, the SA-22C and slash FB, the original one. Okay. Where they went, where they had a completely different rear fascia. But this one is just the FC. It's the second generation RX-7. But I like this look, one outlier right here. Yeah, that that's race a, car. yeah, it was a race car. Um, but if you look at that graph, though, um, you can see that they're very quickly gaining steam, and that's at, like in the last year. Yeah, it looks like they're all kind of doubling. Yeah, like the, the low end is about. I mean, it used to be what five to ten grand. Now mm-hmm. it's twenty-ish. Yeah, ten and, to fifteen. And a nice one used to be like low, well, twenty. To yeah. low twenties, and now they're wow forty fifty. Yeah, people are being to. Um, 
there's still some good examples coming out that like on the auction and for a long time I think what uh kind of kept prices down is they were not the best ones that come to market they'd be like uh, the world's cleanest automatic non-turbo <laughs> Like it, the car, like the quality of the car is there, but not the spec. I didn't know they sold these with an auto. Yeah, or you oh. could get like, yeah, it, it, it's. So how does a rotary bad. deal not with good. torque converter power loss? Like, very bad. Okay. Um, I feel ooh. like it or, would be very jerky. Well, I just I feel like it would stall. Like yeah. you'd have like you the thing would just foul trying to idle. No, it's it's they're very gutless as the most polite way I could put it. But, like, when you step on the gas, like, you know how how it feels like driving a, like, a, like a 2.5 liter Altima? I've actually never driven a 2.5 Altima. Versus, like, a, the V6. Uh, like, I can, like, my mental... Like a four-cylinder higher trim level Camry. A four-cylinder Solara. They didn't make those. Yes, they did. Really? Yes, Jan's dad has one. I they thought all Solaras were V6. No, they were mostly four-cylinders, actually. They were only V6 if you see the V6 badge. So next time you see a Solara, look for a V6 badge, because most of them are not. So they just have the fancy muffler on them, even if they're four-cylinders. Yes. Yeah. So it's it feels like wow. a four-cylinder Solara, basically, except rear-wheel drive with a very good chassis. Like, so it's a momentum car. but yeah, like, I have it's definitely to say a momentum is car. Really weird to drive when you go from driving a good Toyota, like the Toyota Sienna, mm-hmm. to my dad's Solara was always really strange. Like, I'm like, this feels familiar, but not. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that Solaras are like the epitome of cowl shake to begin with. And if you combine that with a complete lack of all power. Yeah. They're fine. It's if you did if you hadn't driven another Toyota, you'd be like, "This is a good car." But if you've driven other Toyotas, you go, "Wow, this is, is this a, a Toyota?" It, it is an absolute Ooh. wet noodle of a car. It's just it's perfect family <laughs> like car. The Clarkson analogy of a convertible, where you have a brick on two ends of a playing card, and it gets a wobbly. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly how it feels. It's just a wet noodle of a car. Um, but, oh yeah, so God. with these RX-7s that we're seeing, it's like now we're beginning to see more, like, very good manual ones. Turbo 2s with good interior, which is, like, actually the the biggest attractor to Turbo 2s. Is usually you can find a Turbo 2 in decent nick, mm-hmm. but the interior is just, like, completely destroyed. Because if you look at, like, any of the Turbo 2s, you'll see the seats and how ridiculous the seats look. And then you immediately understand why... They were interiors aged quite poorly. So if you just find what says like Turbo 2, just like randomly. Um, and then just like scroll to the. This one sold for 13, so I'm guessing the interior is not yeah, going to yeah. be great. Look we'll, we'll at the seats though. Like this one that. Like Gallery, come on. It looks like he doesn't have the best seat. But look at that. Now make Those that... look like Mark II Recaro trophies from yeah. Golf. Now make that all leather. And then leather it hasn't been cared for for 30 ah. years. And you can see that that's just a whole liability. Yeah, I would definitely get one with cloth because it seems like that held up all right. Uh, yeah. I mean, the leather actually looks really nice. It's a very good interior. One. I mean, all the interiors are great. But that's the thing. It's like SCs are like kind of a secret like Oof. known quantity of being a very good car for very little money. It's probably a long time ago, but I, I know we talked about these and like yeah. undervalued collector yeah. cars. Yeah, this is I've been saying, I've been preaching the FC for a long time. It's just like 
if you want a good, cheap Japanese car, FCs are it. And that time is quickly uh, in, coming to an end. Yeah, you're going to have to get lucky at this point, it seems like, mm-hmm. to get a decent deal on one of these. Because, yeah, they're already going up, and, I mean, they're they're still very undervalued. Because I would say that these are, like, having driven most trim levels of E30, mm-hmm. and having driven most trim levels of this, I would put this, like, on par for driving dynamics with an E30. Like, as far as, like, just how good it feels. I believe that. I mean, I'm sure there are some trade-offs in... Like chassis longevity, but that doesn't. I mean, these are all going to be fine at this point because they're yeah. not being driven through winters and all yeah, that other exactly. stuff. Yeah, it's not a winter car, obviously. But, but yeah, it looks like turbo twos are really shooting up in value. Yeah, you see what I mean? Like turbo twos went from being like very underpriced to being like, yeah, this is how much it should cost. That one we just looked at sold in July of 2021 for thirteen seven fifty. Yeah, and that was a, a decent pretty, interior, pretty decent looking. And, and now you're seeing them like in 40, the last fifty sixty grand. Yeah, yeah, it's. The market caught up, like, immediately. Looks like the convertibles are still pretty cheap. Yeah, actually, uh, cars that are good, very good value, convertibles, not bad cars. They look nice, too, actually. Yeah, they're, they're a little bit heavier because, like, they actually put in, like, chassis rigidity. But, like, yeah, they're... they're I think probably, these were done at ATS, so that makes sense. They are, yes. and But, I mean, like, what they did is, like, all the turbos are very similar to the Savannah trim level in Japan, where you get, like, the wire... Uh, not the wire, but the, the mesh wheels and, like, yep. some nicer trim pieces. So, yeah, so, they're really cool cars. Like, but, FCs are not bad in any way. Like, you can't go wrong with an FC. Like, even when you get an automatic one, like, that's easily rectifiable. Yeah, I assume there are still... I mean, there have to be parts cars. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, like any Mazda, they they all like to rust. So, if anyone is ever driven one of these in the winter, it becomes a parts car. Yeah, well, and another thing that's really nice about these is it's a Mazda. So Mazda people are very, very clicky about driving Mazdas, so they will absolutely make sure that there's a fix available for anything that the car needs. And so companies like Racing Beat, they've been making parts for these cars for like 30 years nonstop. It's not like Honda where like Gretti will make like a great exhaust for... A Civic, and then discontinue it the second the car is discontinued. And then throw the jig in an incinerator. Yeah, exactly. No, like these parts are all readily available. So yeah, they're really easy to maintain. They're really easy to live with. Rotary, yeah. I mean, they they all need engine rebuilds. But I will, <laughs> I will happily take a RX-7 that you're gonna get a few good years out of living with rebuild the engine, make a little bit more power out of your rebuild. And then, you know, at the end of the day, over the time, over the course of ownership, you've probably spent as much money as you would on like an E30. But I mean, it's a rotary. So yeah, it's not reliable, but also it's not complicated. So yeah, exactly. rebuilds are not what you'd call expensive. Yeah, for that's what I'm saying. Like at the end of the day, you're spending as much as you would on an E30, but the barrier of entry is yeah. much lower than an E30. Cause like E30, like you're it putting all was. that money. You're putting all the money up front on an E30. Um, right now, this looks about the same. I mean, yeah. con- a no, nice convertible is, yeah. E30 is about the same. Like, 325IS is about what a Turbo Not 2 costs. And, man, Turbo 2s are, like, almost M3 money. Yeah. So, they're hmm. um, they're good cars. The, like I said, the price is caught up. But, like, you can still find them on, like, Craigslist and, like, 
boomer cars, like where people don't know where to sell their car correctly. Right. You can still find like deals. Uh, to the point earlier, yeah, you have to get lucky at this point to yeah. get one for a good price, but you can potentially. So yeah, I've never. And if you can, don't be afraid of it. Just do it. Yeah, no, they're great. I highly recommend it if you yeah. ever get the chance. Like, it's one of those cars where. It's like a Honda. Everybody will talk shit about them until they drive one. It's, it's suddenly you will never meet anybody that's ever driven an FC mm-hmm. that talks shit about an FC because they're great cars. I do feel like almost everyone that I am aware of is one I see at the track. So it's always got an LS or a 302 <laughs> in it. And I'm, I'm guessing a lot of them have 302s in them because that's been a really big thing for the last yeah. 20 years. But LS, uh, That's the thing with the LS swaps. I hate doing LS swaps on rotaries. I totally get why you would. Well, I understand like, because your Mondial Challenge answer is to put a rotary in the Ferrari. Yeah. So. Like, I, I get why you would get rid of the rotary, <laughs> but I would implore that you don't. I was going to say, just don't do it, especially at this point. Also, I love... That, that destroys the value permanently forever. Good. Yeah. So If that's... I ever buy an FC, it'll be a 302 FC. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, you can go to LS. So yeah. well, I'm just talking like one that's been done in the 90s. Did the right shirt, or is this not an RX? No, it's RX-7. Okay. It's FD. That's the next the generation. FD. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, I was you like, your wait, next generation. I fr- always forget what car is uh, FD, FDs were very briefly affordable. But the year on that shirt yeah, was FC. Yes. Yeah. Was FC. That was FC. It's Actually, also... no, that was FD. What? It was the first year of the FD. I thought FDs were 93. Uh, 91 in Japan, I think. I could be wrong. Well, you figure that out while I start talking about Chicago. I'm really uh, excited about this. I just pre-read it. <laughs> so I, I just had to cover this. It's not even really car-related. It's public transit. But there apparently was a massive, and I mean massive, public utilities works power outage in northern Chicago that oh, took no. down the the L, the elevated rail. Oh, no. 1992, the... sorry. 92 was okay, the first so year. Yeah. In, yeah, I figure like usually a year prior, but this is... So it, for any of you that have not been to Chicago, this is a city that has a, a public transit system that is above grade. So it's not yeah. a subway. It's one essentially Elevated. floor. They do have a subway, though. They do. They it, do it, it occasionally... And it goes it's, under, yeah. and it's... Chicago's a weird place. I mean, they should have left it burnt down, but... I like Chicago. It's a good time. It's fine. But the L, as they call it, for elevated rail, very similar to New York, um, has been an institution of the city for like 100 oh, plus yeah. years. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's one of those things. You, you go there and you're just like, okay, I know exactly where I am, even without mm-hmm. seeing anything else in that city. But I digress once again. The entire north side of their transit system, which is pretty heavily utilized, was offline because it's electrically powered and apparently backup generators aren't a thing or the break happened between the grid backup generators oh, and no. the L. I think that's probably what happened. Probably. Because they do have backup generators. I'm not <clears> sure. Anyway, these elevated rail stations have a service walkway yes, for them do. to do maintenance on. And after roughly an hour of waiting for uh, a train and in delay form, people started to just kind of walking around the barriers for service personnel and started walking along the L tracks to get places, which is, which is kind of hilarious. That is really funny. Cause like this time of year, you don't want to walk on the streets of Chicago. You're, gonna end up with soaking jeans and shoes like that and i mean it's probably pretty chilly up there yeah I mean, say, it gets all, pretty windy 100 percent of the situation sucks also yeah. chicago um time is everything there yeah and i'm not sure if you've ever um driven from the northern suburbs to inner city chicago i drive whatever route is fastest to get from here to there okay so that 
is a drive it's closer by the way the um the way Chicago's like set up like the city itself like metropolitan city of Chicago is like the size of all of the oh, twin cities mm-hmm. yeah and on top of that so your suburbs basically these people would be like coming a, a second ring suburb to Chicago getting from suburb second ring suburb to like downtown Chicago is like from our podcast studio to downtown St. Paul it's bigger than that. No, I mean that's like the commute style. Like that's yeah. how it feels. Like the, it, the it metroplex is, is, is about seventy-five miles across. Yeah. No, but so. I mean like it, it's a solid half an hour commute. Oh yeah, but like, time-wise, hundred yeah, yeah, percent. No, that's what I mean. Like as far as like oh, yeah. that's how it feels. It's like it's like driving from here to downtown St. It's Paul. Like, it huge. is huge forever. It takes so long to get anywhere. Yeah. So Getting yeah, I don't blame nice them. Crisp thumbs up. I do not blame them at all for this. I would do this too. <laughs> I. Was coming back from, I think, my boss's house. There was an internet outage, so I had to go physically get feet on the ground and investigate. But this is in New Brighton to Roseville. For those not here, it's about a four-mile drive through regular suburban mm-hmm. city streets. Yeah. Crossing over a main artery, 35E, there is a pair of stoplights that kind of flank a railroad crossing. Yeah. And I think the railroad crossing has something to do with this because I was at the first set of lights where there's only room for two vehicles. Mm-hmm. I got up to this light as it turned red, and I didn't bother to actually look at the statute for how long you legally have to wait before you can run a red light. And I wasn't really in a hurry, so I just decided to sit there until it turned green, and mm-hmm. it took 43 minutes. Oh, jeez Louise. 43? took 43 minutes for, Why? for this light to turn green again. I don't know. Didn't bother to look into it. So a lot of people were I guess you know, you're driving paid. around you're and paid, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I was on hold with the bank working through my auto insurance payment that went to the wrong account number or some oh, shit weird. like that too. So I'm like, it is fine. I got Bluetooth and a heated seat. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, this is I was I was warm and these folks were they don't no. look as warm. Because I mean it's never warm in Chicago. It could be a hundred degrees outside and you're still cold. And again, this is above grade in yeah. the place called the Windy City. So yeah. like that is not a pleasant walk. No, that no, this and would it's actually right on a lake to too. be fair, this would probably be a better walk than on the side road, because yeah. at least you're in the sun. True. That's what I'm saying. Like because when you're not in the sun, everything's cold. It's always you, you always have to have a sweatshirt with you. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, it's always cold in Chicago. Yeah, like it, yeah, all the time. It's so irritating. So fun fact about stoplights mm-hmm. is they're supposed to whenever something goes wrong, they're supposed to just automatically turn to the flashing red light. Mm-hmm. But if they don't do that, they do get stuck on red lights and you're just supposed to treat them like a stop sign. The thing is... But the, how long do you legally have to the wait? bisecting traffic was still on a green, oh. yellow, red cycle. Just my direction and the oncoming direction was solid red. <laughs> so the then I don't know how to time. fix that one. I was really excited to tell you about cycling lights and how they automatically... That's ridiculous. I don't know. On a motorcycle, it's like, if you've waited through a couple cycles, just go. Yeah. Might even just be one. And, like, plenty of people were just driving through. Even a uh, state trooper... Drove through the other... He was going through the bisecting traffic, so he got a green light. Yeah. Fucker. So... I'm fine. Everything's fine. Speaking of the northern Twin Cities and Hibbing, which is like... Oh, I know Hibbing. Most of the way to Canada. Yeah. I like Um, your microphone's facing you, by the way. Yeah, I know, because it was hissing. This is better. I like hearing your voice, Ryan. Hopefully it does... Thank you. so much better. Hopefully it doesn't hiss at me. Um, (laughs) It's not a snake. So... In in Hibbing, Sorry. there is a man who discovered a vehicle stashed away in a basement of a house. In a ba- Um. So okay. for seventy years, 
It was stashed away. And it's oh. a totally good 1925 Pierce Arrow. Love that. That. That's so, a, I, how did it... Why? Is I, it... We're going to get to that. Okay. So, to understand the Pierce Arrow, uh, this company made... Oh, also. Yeah. This yeah, company we'll made the largest... Pre-pre-war. Yeah. No, this is pre-war. It's just 1925. It's not okay. 1915. Um, I'm not taking back the second thing. No. Yeah. So, Pierce Arrow made the largest production engine ever put in a car. The Model 6-66 was a... Wow, what a great number. I know, right? Um, <laughs> I, think it was, I think it was an 18.5 liter, uh, like, six-cylinder. It wasn't even an eight. It was is, just, that, is that what we picture here? Is this no, that's a smaller version. Okay. Um, but anyway, so this in, this car was bought like in the middle of the Roaring Twenties and stuff. Uh, the guy that bought it made a bunch of money off of like coal and steel and stuff. And then, like right as the depression hit, he sold all of his stuff and kept his like some most of his money enough to like not lose the house. Sure. But this car was driven for a few years after that and it was parked seventy years ago in this basement. No idea how they got it down there, but I here have we to are. imagine the house was built around this. It must it's have been. Like, uh, it's been there since nineteen fifty two. So there's this kid's book, um she's a really old author, um, and they have a bunch of different books about industrial equipment and there's one about a snowplow and there's one about a steam shovel who ends up not building itself a ramp when it's building um a basement for a a city hall and maybe that's what happened with this pierce arrow is they forgot to build a ramp to get it out very well could have been something like that there's an older top gear episode where they interviewed a guy from northern england that built an entire like tvr in his kitchen Oh. Oh, he started as a winter project, and like yeah. he just ended up like bringing all these parts in, and he built it, and he had to cut the entire side of the house out to get it out. <laughs> oh my goodness! Anyway, so this kind of thing is probably more common than we give it credit for. So, um, just they just ignore it and continue living. It's not a problem. But yeah, so this car is like totally bananas. Um, it's on blocks too. Like guy did it right. Yeah, it, the tires are pre-war tires. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, Thank you. And the family is like totally bananas because the family, um, the owner of the car went to school in Switzerland. His sister survived the Titanic. Oh wow! Uh, she was in route on home from school when on the Titanic when it sank. I should meet these folks. Yeah. They these got the same coolest, travel problems yeah. I have. Yeah, yeah, these are like totally bananas <laughs> to me. Um, but yeah, so the car was uh, shipped back to the, uh, the like upper Minnesota during the Depression. Um, and it was the guy's daily driver as he worked for the mining company okay. up there. Is um, it Minnesota Miners and Manufacturing Mining? I don't know. Probably not. Uh, probably not. <laughs> but So these cars are really cool. And this is why I wanted to mention this. Because it's a aluminum body. That's really cool. On a oh wood my frame. God, in the 20s, yeah. Yeah, an aluminum body on a wood frame in the 20s. Uh, flathead inline six, manual transmission, vi- four-wheel drums, nice. which in 1925 is like... Mechanical or hydraulic? Mechanical. Okay. Um, You know, you're going to die. Uh, but still, you have four drums. Hey, man. Maybe only one of the cables breaks. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the thing is like four drums in 1925 is like a big deal. Oh, I deal. know. Like, yeah. Like, up until the 30s, having brakes on all of your wheels is like cause for celebration. Why would you needlessly break these rear wheels? Yeah. <laughs> no, front wheels. 
Oh, that's true. They were on because the they were on the roof because they they couldn't they couldn't figure out how to make a flexible hydraulic hose or a flexible cable uh, uh, linkage thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, cable linkage. But yeah, I, I think this is just really cool that the cars discovered it's down here. Really interesting, and being in Minnesota, it being in a basin, it's really cool because it <clears throat> the, really like protects it from need new batteries for the all keyboard. the terrible. <laughs> Things, like I know, and like nice yeah, dry basement like that. That's very cool. Thing, also, thing dry basement. Yeah. So check this out. There's a maintenance sticker from the last time it was serviced in November 10th, 1949. Um, it had an oil change done, and the transmission was serviced, and the air cleaner was cleaned, mm. and the battery was replaced. I'm sure the battery's still good. Was it on a maintainer? <laughs> so when did it end up in the basement? In the... Uh, 1952. Okay. Um, but before that, like, the car has probably about 102,000 miles on it. That's it pretty high driven, miles for a pre-war car. Yeah, it was driven from Minnesota to Riverside, California six times. Holy shnikes. Yeah, like, this car's had a whole life. This is a very cool car. And that is pre-interstate, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and so they also have documentation of all this stuff, too. That's, that's So that's how they can say it's got 102,000 miles. Because the odometer's rolled over already, and they're like, yeah, it's just, it keeps going. Because Pierce Arrows are great. Like, Pierce Arrow, they would make the world's largest displacement engine because they were very undertaxed, and they are just very reliable, actually, <laughs> for what they were. I mean, they'd make as much power as, like, I feel like the the limitation on older engines like that was the garbage engine oil. Yeah, I think so. That was that was a big part of it. But, but I mean, you, like you can get around a lot of that by using better bearing materials, making much bigger bearings. I think that's probably what they did here. Like to your point, like yeah, this is just, just like a super small diversion of their, you know, pushing the limits of technology. Yeah. Giant straight six. Yeah, yeah. What they did is they just made a just make the engine bigger, so it has to do less work, and it's everything has more tolerances and just is more reliable and because i mean you want like the peak of luxury is not mm-hmm. breaking down on your way to the opera oh yeah. yeah or california in the 40s yeah like it's really cool that they were able to do all that um but yeah, i don't so, even like that drive now in a modern car <laughs> yeah. that i don't have to drive yeah this is this is uh I'm very a, cool but I'm not a real man apparently. i'm just i'm very i'm very excited that all of this car exists and it's just been in the same family's name and everything and they're just like oh yeah we have this Pierce Arrow in our basement. I like that this was in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah that's a I very cool it's, thing. It's kind of a, I was skimming the article, and it was like they would just invite people down to their basement to show them. And I'm like, that's the most Minnesotan thing ever. You know, another thing I just thought of, this is literally the perfect car for Minnesota. Yeah. Aluminum body, mm-hmm. wood frame. It's basically what my Model S is. Yeah, that that's a perfect car. It's never you're never gonna have to deal with any Minnesota problems. I can't even imagine what that body would have cost in the twenties. It'd been insane. Aluminum was so expensive back then. Uh, it would have been absolutely bananas. <laughs> like, I mean, we had electricity, so we could make it. I feel like this guy probably <laughs> but, had like he probably had like, a Stutz Blackhawk or something before this, or like a, that was his winter beater, or like a Mercer, and he's like, "Wow, this car rusted out immediately. I may get my next car with a wood frame." In an aluminum body, so it just never rusts. And that's how you have a Minnesota car last forever. And this is pre-road salt, too. Yeah. <laughs> Would be actually an interesting thing to research what year they started salting roads, like, yeah. predominantly. You could actually probably find that out from soil samples. Yeah, probably. No. Well, like, that has somebody like the... was making jokes about uh, radiocarbon dating in front of me, which is a mistake, because I will correct also, you. Also, who jokes about radiocarbon dating? 
they were talking about something getting burned on the grill and they're like oh we can radiocarbon date and i was like actually we can't radiocarbon date anything newer than the 50s because of all the radiation and then they kept being like making trying to cover up their bad joke with more I mean, bad yeah, jokes i was gonna say the same thing and i was like i just schooled them about how radiocarbon dating is actually really hard to get a good sample but it's getting better but the like the range in which the date is is usually pretty wide. Okay. Like it's it's good when you're dating so far back. Sure, because the resolution doesn't matter quite as much. Yeah, <clears throat> so you're gonna like it might be a couple thousand years, but in the scheme of things, <laughs> sure. it's not much. In, in the scheme of millions or billions, yeah. Not a so big like deal. the older it is, the harder it is. Like both easier and harder it's radiocarbon dating super interesting but don't joke about it in front of me i will correct this is the first time i've heard about it so it's so fun 1942 is when Minnesota started salting roads holy hell so that thing has been through road salt yeah wow and it still (laughs) looks that it had 10 years of road salt and it looks that good that's phenomenal i'm actually really happy i know that information thank you (laughs) (laughs) that's actually really cool did the um what government resource had the that information i had to look up i googled when did minnesota start salting roads and it, they said 1940s and then i changed my search terms my seo a little bit to optimize it and i got to like a min dot thing and they said yep. 19 between 1941 and 1942 winter this is when they first started doing road awesome. salt wow so we probably have a bunch of cars that are 1940 and older that are in much better condition sitting yeah. in basements. Probably, yeah. Yep. So, so the Mercer race about's in a different basement. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with that. I would like one. <laughs> also, damn it. <laughs> okay, next story. Um, so there's plenty of global turmoil. I'm not going to touch on the, the predominant one right now. But there is a GP race this upcoming week in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. And oh, wouldn't you know it, some Yemen rebels decided to uh, bomb the ever-living shit out of an oil refinery about a, a mile away from there. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, I think a couple people probably got some cold feet going to that there race. I wouldn't. Yep. There's a. There's also apparently like a bunch of people just being executed in the streets and things like that. So you should probably yeah, I maybe just avoid. I just wouldn't go. Why are they even doing this in Saudi Arabia? Pro tip right now: just probably just skip that race. I would just, yeah. as a rule, avoid anything happening in Saudi Arabia for any reason. Yeah. You also can't drink there even in good times. Like I know, outside. like it's, you it's literally terrible. can't. It's a really not see this fun thing place I'm doing do. right now. Yeah, no, you don't want to go there. Like it's not any, <sighs> unless it. unless you're going there for Hajj. There's no other reason to go there. I just like, I, I would never ever go there. People, yeah, I, I agree with you, but, but people still like this is like a yeah, like destination. Move to Dubai. Yeah, Dubai is not in Saudi Arabia. <clears throat> no, that's oh. the UAE. Yeah, that's the UAE. Different. Similar, oh. but different. Gulf states are what? cool. Saudi Arabia is not. Okay. Yeah, well, the, I need to readjust some things in my brain that are miscontrolled. The place where somehow. people drive Camrys on two tires. That's both of them, actually. Oh, yeah, you're right. That is both. That was a, never mind. That was a terrible... Hajwala Haj- actually occurs everywhere in like the Middle East. Is that the term for yes, that that's thing? Yes, yeah. that's called. The that is really cool. People yeah. just hucking the wheel on a camry at 120 miles an yeah, hour and doing Pakistan and everything oh yeah. man it's super really, cool like pretty much everywhere in the like arab world like from like everywhere from like israel to like india i want to go and watch that so, yeah hajwal is really cool like that's very very rad and that's it's like divorced like six degrees of separation from like from like american sideshow culture which was adopted from african sideshow culture which came from people that 
would work in like Yemen and stuff hmm. and would go and do Hajwala stuff. It, yeah. So, so was Hajwala a thing before cars? No. Okay. That's a car thing. So that is that specifically is tied to the cars. Yeah. Okay. But it was like Hajwala and drifting combined created African sideshow culture hmm. from south, most prominently in South Africa is where that occurs. But Oh, man. When uh, I was down in Texas, a couple of the friends of the main friends I visit yeah. are South African. And oh, they, cool. they both emigrated immigrated here? Yeah, immigrated from immigrated. immigrated here separately and like met here oh, in, funny, in yeah. the united states but they're interesting people and they've got some stories man yeah, <laughs> yeah. so um yeah so like our sideshow culture is not anywhere near as cool as that it's oh i'm just, sure it's, it's just dipshits that came and figure out how to turn off the trash control on their charger mm-hmm. whereas like Hajwal stuff is like like, a lot of it's, like, Camrys doing, like, donuts 100 miles an hour. But, like, a lot of it's also, like, there's a larger car culture there where people, like, do, like, sand drag racing where they have, like, a 2,000-horsepower Nissan Patrol and they drag race in the sand. That's very cool. Wasn't that, I don't know, it was a Patrol or a Prado on Top Gear with the GTR yeah, it was Patrol. swap? It was a Patrol. Wasn't yeah. that designed for sand racing and they yeah. just put slicks on it for yeah. that? Okay, I thought exactly, so. Exactly, yeah. Like, they actually have, like, a bunch of really <laughs> cool stuff that happens there. Politically, uh, they're problematic. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, but I, I mean, also these aren't the politicians; these are the residents that live there that are doing cool things. Though the politics, like I just—that's the thing—is like I would if I. I'm very surprised that F1 um, isn't like pulling out of there. Oh wait, no, I'm not. I know why they don't care. Why is that, Ryan? Be it, it, honestly, I think it's a racism thing. Because hmm. F1 seemed to like care as soon as something happened in Europe, but we if it race. happens in, if it happens in like there's, a, there's a hashtag for this. Hmm. We race as one. Oh, is that a real thing? That's the F1. Uh, oh, that's actually really. Oh cool. yeah, yeah, but well, um, it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek. Bit. Oh, but like that, like I don't know. It just seems like F1 doesn't care if it happens anywhere other than Europe. They don't care about like what happens to the people in which the country they're being hosted in. Yeah. I'm pulling up a, an article thing right oh, here. Okay. It says formula, so, uh, hashtag <clears throat> we race as one initiative the, to fight challenges of COVID-19 and global inequality. So how tone deaf is that? This huh? is Just unbelievable. A yeah. bit. It, I mean, like, yeah. I got, got on them at least for like taking a step forward with like canceling the Russian Grand Prix. Yeah. Okay. Well, but, yeah, like, and kicking off uh, Mesa Spin. Yeah. Yes. The guy who actually was like, okay with it. Um, but like... They should take a step further and cancel the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Yes. And honestly, uh, I think the Bahrain, they also have another one. Mm-hmm. Like Bahrain, I'd probably get rid of as well. But like, you also very quickly, basically, F1 races happen in every shitty country, like, including I'm, Florida. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It literally, even in America, it's the worst part of America. Yep. Uh, I but, mean, it used to be in Texas, which is one of the worst parts. Yeah. Now they're in Florida, Florida which, which is, is the worst, part. marginally worse. Um, but yeah, no, like I think, like yes, yeah, Singapore they have one. Singapore, you get thrown in jail for like fifteen years for spitting gum on the ground. Hmm. Um, they have Macau, which is in China, which is China. Um, yeah, they're pretty much all bad. Yeah, there's a lot bad. of bad. That's because land they, is cheap where tracks right. get built, and where land is cheap, people don't live there. And when people don't live there, it's because there's bad policies. In well, place. no, I mean these are places where people live. Like people live in Singapore. Like actually, Singapore is very populous. But like, you know, I feel like Vietnam. They should have a race. Oh hell yeah! Vietnam's a great country. 
Oh, it'd be so cool. They I are... would love to go spend my dong there. Yeah, Vietnam, Vietnam's good. South Korea's okay. Japan's okay. I'm like, okay. Okay. I guess, does Canada have a race? Maybe we uh, should I don't re- think so. Yeah, replace Russia with... Uh, no, Vancouver is, is, has one. Yeah. God, you said that's so Canadian. Vancouver. Yeah, Vancouver has one. I'm just trying to think of like, countries where you could put F1 races, because there's so many problematic race, like countries where races happen. What about like Switzerland? Yeah, they're fine. But, they're just, but there's, they're a, like there's enough F1 so in Europe. neutral. Yeah, there's yeah, enough you're right. F1. In, you need you're to right. be outside of Europe. Um, I'm just trying to think of countries that are terrible. Um, what about Mexico? Yeah, Mexico. That would be really they have cool. a Mexican F, uh, Grand Prix. Okay, good. Yeah. But like, then I could go see some gymnies. Cuba? Cuba's Cuba good. would be sweet. I would love Cuba. Cuba would be great. They should go to Cuba. Although, let's be honest, they... what would be involved to create the track would yeah. absolutely destroy that country. It would. I mean, they... Eh, yeah, you're right. Well, it's it would be small, great while it's working, but you got to ease in. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think Cuba would be a good place to start, to like put on the list eventually. Oh, yeah. No, if we could like start the ball rolling and they could build their own track now. I'm trying to great, think of but... other countries I would like them to go to. Um, what Ken- about, like... <laughs> Kenya. Kenya would be cool. I like Kenya. Kenya's thought, a good country. I want them to do, like, a winter GB. How about... Yeah. Uh, like Iceland, Iceland would be cool. Iceland, Iceland literally just normal Iceland let's, roads let's are like that. already good. So. I know, right? Okay, let, let's let's make that even more challenging and do it in Greenland. Greenland is ice. Iceland is green. Gotcha. I, yes. You know what? I think this would be just perfect. Uh, they should do one in India on normal Indian roads without doing any prep. Uh, that that no. would that would be that'd be very the race exciting. Wouldn't it would be exciting? Finish. It'd be very exciting. <laughs> You'd have to have really high refresh GPS devices on the car to see who did the most number of feet. <laughs> and then declare the winner there. Yeah, that's how you do it. Yeah, it'd be a very fast race. You'd, you'd get Verstappen would get T-boned by a truck with like 80 people hanging well, no, on the ob- Obviously, you would close off the track. Yeah, but how like, are you going to get the locals to understand that? Yeah. Well, I mean, you would close off the track, but I'm not sure if you've ever seen what Indian roads look like. They're, the reason the DC Avanti looks like it does is because it was made to drive over gigantic potholes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think even if you close the track, uh, there's a, there, the wildlife wouldn't There is a, a very finite number of countries in the world in which have good human rights records and have good quality roads and are outside of Europe. Yeah, that's a lot of qualifiers. That's a yeah. lot of qualifiers, at least like a handful of countries. And I'm trying to think of like enough. Like Kazakhstan like is high on that list <laughs> for like places like <laughs> relatively okay human rights records. And when I say like relatively, like better than Saudi Arabia. <laughs> so you're setting the bar low, so we yeah, can all be pretty pleasantly low bar. surprised. There's a low bar. I'm not asking for everything here. Oh I, I, I know what the limitations are of F1. <laughs> How about a Ukrainian GP? Yeah. yeah, I th- the, the, I genuinely think that they should replace the Russian GP with Ukrainian GP. Yeah. And, like, just to, like, be, like, a thumb in the eye of, like, Putin even more is, like, put it in, like, Dnipro. Or, like, somewhere, like, in Luhansk where he, like, where, like, Russia was, like, occupying Ukraine. Oh, yeah, the occupy- yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, just, like, on the edge where it's, like, <laughs> hey, remember when you had a race and then you decided to be Nazis? Okay, well, <laughs> now, now, now the people that you invaded have totally it. Totally not related or anything, but we're going to have a GP right here. Yeah, like, so, literally right here. Shoot. 
Yeah, and you're not allowed to look. <laughs> look away. We're putting up walls so we, he can't the, see. The built sections that we had between the U.S. and Mexico, we shipped them all over. Yeah, and they'll be coming down after the race, but they're solely here so you can't sit in the Russian forest and watch. <laughs> like, you are just not allowed. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the really tongue-in-cheek saltiness that comes after this. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry. So anyway, uh, speaking of Eastern Europe, um, we've talked about Nobe before. We have. Yes, and Nobe's made a pickup which I'm a fan of. It looks very old school. It looks yeah. like a miniature F100, F1. Yeah, F1. no, it's just like any 50s pickup truck. So, yeah, no, they're very cool. It's a it's an EV pickup made in Estonia. It's got a I think 1500 pound capacity like payload capacity. There's no way this would pass safety racks here. Well, that's the thing is they're a low enough volume manufacturer Ooh. and we just had yep. the, yeah. Nice new new legislation. Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> I will. Um, cute that thing is. I'll read this paragraph word for word from AutoEvolution.com. Um, we don't have that many details about the Nobe 500, except for a few renderings revealed from the company earlier this year. But now the automaker gives us some updates about the truck, stating it hopes to see it production will start in summer of 2022. Not only that, but plans to bring both the Nobe 500 and the Nobe 100 GT to America, being. Uh, begin in the process of founding Nobe USA. Oh yeah. So we are going to be getting it because of that low volume production roll. Man, there's going to be so much cool stuff flooding in now. I'm very, very excited for this. Look how cute that little guy is. Yeah. They, so they're it, they're they're fairly small trucks, yeah, and they carry like... a thousand pound payload. Um, they're fully electric, street legal. They're great. Like this is, I was talking about needing a small truck. Like, Were you actually yes many yeah, times yeah like the Bremach Tahoe's yeah and like or like even like a Ram seven hundred the Fiat mm-hmm. Strata um I want like a, the smallest possible pickup truck and it's because there's like some things where it's just I don't want a big bro truck I want something where it's a little bit easier to clean I don't have to care as much about the interior as I do about the van also it's electric and this is literally everything I need and yeah it's electric so I don't have to pay for stupid gas so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm very, very into this. Uh, I have a second link here. Oh, that's right. There was, a second. There, was a yep. second there was a second one. There was a second one. I can't remember what that link was for, though. I don't know. But it's, it's something related to the truck, and it was apparently still a spinning up. blue square. Spinning blue square. All right. That's all oh, I want. Oh. It is. Oh, Estonian yes. Citizenship. Estonian citizenship, in case it doesn't come to America. That's what it was. I forgot. It's actually very easy to get citizenship in Estonia. Um, so worst case scenario, I will just get citizenship in Estonia for this truck. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to have dual citizenship. That sounds cool. They don't do dual citizenship. Oh. You would just have citizenship there, but it's a very nice country. So I'm here for it. Well, I mean, hopefully they bring the truck here because yes. I'm not planning to leave just yet, but yeah, I mean, Estonia is nice, but I'd prefer living in, I haven't been there, but I'll take your word for it. Well, if it's anything like Bulgaria, Bulgaria is a great country. And I have I, been there. Yeah, because Bulgaria, it's, what's really nice about Bulgaria is, like, they're the fastest depopulating country in Europe. And all of the land is very, very, very cheap. Hmm. And it's a genuinely beautiful country. I'm, there's got to be a reason why it's depopulating quickly. Uh, because the EU allows you to go to any other country ah. with just a passport for better work opportunities. I see. Yeah, and everybody that lives in in Bulgaria is, like... 80. They're just so we need a Nobe factory in Bulgaria then. Yes. 
Well, I like Estonia more than Bulgaria, so fine. Bulgaria is just easier to get to. Well, I have no segue at all, but look at this <laughs> look at this Jeep that looks like it's been crashed to show us this new inline six engine, which has been really poorly photoshopped at the wrong angle into this thing. Yeah. Oh wow, that is really poorly photoshopped. It looks like the more Harvey you look, Dent. the worse it gets. It does look like Harvey Dent. But okay. And but, not my accord. The no, no, the actual the, Yeah, the act actor. Ooh. Whatever. Ooh, are they even a cool name? Uh, yes, and that's mainly why I picked this up. Right, I mean, tell we've, me about we've it. talked about the new Mopar Straight Six that's coming, whatever three liter twin turbo, yada yada yada. The resurgence of cool engine names, I think, is finally here. I'm, we, I'm here for it. We've had you know the 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 Voodoo, we've had the Coyote, we've had all these uh, the Scorpion. Yeah. This one though is called the Hurricane. That's a good name. I know. It's a lot better than Earth Dreams. <laughs> yeah, or it's a lot better than. N54B30K, which yeah. is, yeah, that's easy to remember. BMW is the worst engine. No, actually, Mercedes does. Oh, Mercedes yeah. just does numbers. Well, they do, and usually the numbers don't correspond to displacement either. No, so it's they're, worse just, than they're BMW. literally, it's a part number. It's awful. But uh, anyway, uh, this, this is cool. This is good. It's gonna Tell be, me about it's it. Gonna Tell re- me details. It's going to replace some hammies, right. which is good because we don't need that many hammies. Three liter twin turbo. It's going to come in basically two hard trims and then a bunch of soft trims for power. Uh, there's a 9.4 to 1 compression version, which is oddly the higher tier trim. And then there's a 10.4 to 1 compression, which is the lower end one. Okay. Uh, they're both designed for 91 I... octane, but they're designed to run on 87, so Americans can keep just destroying these things with ass gas. Cool. Uh, 471 horsepower for the 9.4 to 1 compression version. Um, they haven't stated power in the lower ones. Uh, electronic knock control will take care of the rest, but... Straight six. I imagine the ten point four to one. They probably run lower boost. I'm sure they do. Yeah. Yeah, and that's probably why it's the you can't run more boost on that. So it's but it's going to be much more responsive down low on the ten point four engine. So I would have to imagine the nine point fours are going to be in SUVs and the ten point four are going to be in cars. Yes, probably that would make sense. But we're going to have a series of much better sounding FCA products now because straight sixes always sound fabulous. Not always, but usually. Three, I, three of my favorite engines in the world are straight sixes. I can't think of a bad-sounding straight six. There's a few. I mean, the flathead, like, continental straight those sixes, the Pierce, cool. those are wet. Those, those, like, those sound Those good. are just, like, as smooth and wet as you can you, make an you engine can, sound. You can make a straight six sound terrible, so. What straight six sounds bad? Thinking. I'm being very slow and deliberate about this, but I'm, I refuse to say that straight sixes always sound good. Hmm. Wasn't that GM Atlas? Didn't they make a straight six? Yeah, that? I think it sounds good. Does it? Yes, it sounds like a spicy flathead. Uh, okay. I'll think of one. Yeah, okay. There's going to be a bad one. Just find the straight six that doesn't use a regular firing order or like a firing split. No. It's probably like an odd fire straight six. That somebody no, made. that would sound cool. Mm-hmm. But no, there's. I'm just thinking of one where it has very little cam and it's too... Uh, it, it's... Um, too long of a stroke. You just need something that's like a truck engine, where it just it just it doesn't rev very nicely. It doesn't have a good exhaust note because it doesn't have enough cam in it. There's got to be one. I don't know. It's very. I'm just thinking of General Motors products that have straight sixes because they're the ones that would screw it up. It'd either be GM or Volvo. One of those two would be the two that make a terrible sounding straight six. I don't know. You have to find. Oh, it. ooh, actually, no, I do know. It's the um, really late model E46's automatic transmission with the exhaust just 
cutoff. That doesn't count. M54s sound really good. Not always. Yes, always. Not always. Yes. No. If some hoodlum cut off the exhaust, yes. that doesn't count. <laughs> that does count. That doesn't count. That's a bad sounding. No, it. all straight sixes sound terrible open headers. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. But that's the thing is, you know who's going to own these because these are Mopars? Oh, God. Hoodlums. There's going to be a lot of these in impound lots really yeah. quickly. Yeah, no, We're going to see these owned. in U-Poles in two years. You want this in the really cool... So, um, Dealership by the Goodwill by our house. Yes, that's true. Yeah, the dealership that sells the uh, gold vinyl wrapped ten-year-old oh. Mercedes. Oh yeah. no! It keeps selling it. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, the one that had it's been sold four times. Um. <laughs> so There's a lot of repossession happening there. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's lovely. <laughs> the cars come back. I've seen the same cars be on the lot like five times, and they come back in worse condition. Buy every time. here, pay here. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's um, my favorite dealership. <laughs> it is so I would never curse. purchase from there, but I walk by. So, there you a know lot. what? I will amend your statement, and I'm going to say you said that there's going to be a lot better sounding uh, American cars. Mopars. There's going to be a lot better sounding low trim level American cars. Yeah. Because that will sound better than a V6. Oh, yeah. So, that that's, that's where you're correct, is it'll be better than a Pinastar. And as long as you can get a standalone engine management computer for one of these, I mean, these, these are going to be in. Low spec cars, so these are going to be in U pole lots, crashed Everywhere. on yeah, lease. I'm here in for like it. I'm years. very here for that. So, and it looks, I mean, complicated. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Look yeah. at the oil fill too. It's got a big old extender, so you can get it through that big plastic cover on the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it, lo- it, it looks totally cursed. Not gonna lie. Oh yeah, that's one of the worst looking engines I've ever seen. Spaghetti. Yeah, but I don't actually know where the valve cover is. Oh, I see it. it I, is, I see the cam phasers. It's right there. It, I don't. Uh, yeah, I it's don't a really like short it. deck height. Wow. You know what is going to be really nice about this is when the aftermarket steps in and somebody makes a wiring harness that gets rid of all the wiring hair. The spaghetti. Uh huh. A vacuum block mounted to the intake manifold. A better air intake arm. That will help it a lot. And then an aftermarket valve cover would look really great on this engine. So this engine has the ability to look good once you. Put aftermarket parts on it. Yeah, but right now it's totally cursed. Yeah, it that working on that getting to spark plugs alone looks really annoying on that. Yeah, it, so there's a chance where this could be good or it could be terrible. Well, either way, it's called the Hurricane. That's a good name. Um, did you know that GM still makes that gigantic four cylinder in the Silverado base model? Yeah, somehow. I, I, don't, I don't have anything else I want to say about I that. I don't think they sell a lot of them. No, but they exist. I couldn't believe when we covered that originally. I'm like, what? and they, they what? blew up like immediately. Well, yeah, it's because you're stressing the bejesus out of a four cylinder with a turbo on 87 octane. Yeah, it's that is not a good recipe for American nope. users. That's not. You're right. I just wanted to end on that. Cool. Bye. Bye. <laughs>